Hello, everyone. The Daily Answer, Mark Dunnigan, your host. I want to talk about something Jesus said. It was very short, and it was simply, remember Lot's wife. You're like, okay, but why, right? And the first thing when Jesus said that, he's saying, first of all, Lot and his wife and his family were real people. Not only that, but that chapter back in Genesis chapter 19, where God rains fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah and all of that, that really happened. That's true. And the New Testament endorses the reality of those cities and the historical nature of that narrative frequently. Book of Jude, um, Jesus would talk about it being more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than his own generation. And so that really happened. Now, Lot doesn't move into the city of Sodom immediately, maybe having some reservations about living among people who, Genesis 13, 13, said were already incredibly wicked before Lot ever shows up there. And the text right there is making it clear that the immoral condition of that city was well-known, that that was a well-known piece of information at the time. No mystery here about the character of the people. And even after Sodom is, uh, well, taken over and Lot is rescued in chapter 14, he's still back in Sodom. And eventually we find, instead of him moving his tents toward Sodom, we actually find that he lives in the city when we encounter him in Genesis 19. As I noted, Genesis 13, 12 said he moved his tents as far as Sodom and Almost looks like he's kind of managed for himself an uneasy peace, which God will upset in chapter 19. Um, but it's interesting that when we come into chapter 19 and the angels show up and the men from every part of the city, old and young, come together and want to know them or have sexual relations with them, that Lot says, do not do so wickedly, and immediately, immediately, they, they kind of say he's judging us. And that really depicts a lot of times the tolerance that you will see in the world. I think for a while, Lot had thought that he was at home among the people there. And he quickly learned in Genesis 19, he had never been accepted, and his views, his biblical views had never been accepted, and he had zero influence upon them, and they resented him for uh, for speaking the truth. Tell you what, when you speak the truth and start doing that, you quickly learn who your friends are. And the world's not a very tolerant place, after all, when it comes to truth. You know, are there any present friendships that we would lose if Jesus came and stayed at our home for a couple of days? Have we managed for ourselves an uneasy peace in the world? One of the dangers, though, when we get too close to the world and kind of start blending in is that nobody takes us seriously when we do take a stand. And Lot finally took a stand and nobody listened, not even the men who were to marry his daughters. And you'll find that in chapter 19, 12 through 14. His future sons-in-law show themselves to be men, very little character. Uh, like a lot of people that just can't take the, think and take anything seriously. And 
when Lot told them that God was going to destroy the city, that they need to leave, they thought it was a joke. They mocked it. In verse 16, you realize that, I mean, the angels, the angels have struck the people blind outside. They've tried to assault Lot and his family and get at the angels. Um, man, he is not welcome there. And God's going to destroy the place. And it's time to get out of town. And the text says that Lot hesitated. You go like, why? And I think right there, a little bit of Sodom had crept into him. One writer said, the grip of this present evil world, even on those who love it with a bad conscience, is powerfully shown in that last minute struggle. Um, are we like that? Potentially, when God has warned us that we need to get rid of certain things in our life, um, do we linger? Do we quibble? Do we wheel and deal? And I mean, fortunately, the angels grabbed him and just drug him out, you know. God mercifully yanks him out of the town. You know, it's easy to criticize Lot for being hypnotized or paralyzed at such a moment. But are we? Are we completely taken by the things of the world? Uh, do we have false attractions to the culture's pleasures? Do, are, are we more familiar with the pop culture than we are with scripture? Can we... Have we memorized all sorts of songs of the pop culture and all sorts of movie lines and television lines and memes, but very but have a very poor working of the Old and New Testament? Well, 19 through 20, Lot is outside the city, and he's continuing to wheel and deal. He's told to flee to the mountains, but, you know, they're scary. They also lack modern conveniences and comforts. But there's a little town, a small city nearby that God Hey, can you spare that? It's not very big, you know, maybe the least contaminated by the wickedness. Still kind of wanting to be comfortable in the world, you know, wouldn't hurt to spare it. And are we really that different at times? God, I'll serve you, but. One writer noted that in the ruins of Pompeii, one of the cities that was destroyed when Mount Vesuvius erupted, the remains of people have been found, people sprawling on the streets with jewelry and other precious objects in their hands. And as I read this section here in Genesis 19, it just reminded of how some people want to wheel and deal when it comes to their salvation from eternal damnation. Well, do I really have to get baptized? Do I really have to get baptized in front of other people? Uh, do I really have to be a member of a local church? Do I really have to attend that often? And all the while, as we are seeking to make deals and concessions, a volcano is rumbling beneath our feet. Well, in chapter 19, 24 through 25, the text makes it very clear that this was not an accident or just kind of like this weird combination of physical events or weird weather or, you know, was not some chance occurrence. God directly intervened. And the New Testament backs it up. And not only that, not only just kind of vaguely backs up the count, but the New Testament gives all the same specific details that you will find in this chapter. Take a look at Second Peter 2.6 and Jude 7. Now, to me, the chapter's a wake-up call. 
instead of naively thinking that most people are going to heaven, this chapters and others says the exact opposite. Here was a major city in the area. And as we remember back in chapter 18, as Abraham pleads for mercy, there were not even 10 righteous people in it. In chapter 9, verse 26, you get that statement where Jesus in Luke 17, 28, 29, and 32 will say, remember Lot's wife. And Jesus places her in the context of those who try to hold on to earthly things, pursuits, and goals at all cost. And man, you know, don't look back, but and everything you own is back there. Your home is back there. And everything you've ever acquired over a lifetime is back there, right? Every, th every physical thing that she valued was back there. And she just had to look back. And such is a good question to ask ourselves. Is your life more important than what you have? You know, the Bible often warns us about turning back or looking back or longing back. Israel in the wilderness looked back to Egypt and all of a sudden became convinced that Egypt had been this great place to live and Egypt had been a promised land and forgot that they were slaves. One writer said this, the past is, a value, the past is valuable as a guidepost. Hopefully you've learned something, right? But it's dangerous if it's used as a hitching post, that you tie yourself there and that you don't move. Well, we know that from uh, the vantage point near Hebron, Abraham could see Sodom and Gomorrah going up, or you might say the smoldering ruins, what was left of the big city and the bright lights. And Abraham realized that even 10 righteous people couldn't be found there. Yet, God remembered Abraham and rescued Lot. And even though Lot had pleaded for the chance to live in Zor, he finally did end up living in the mountains. Verse 30, mountains surround the area of the Dead Sea, and in such hills there are many caves. Makes you wonder, why, was he, why didn't he stay in that city? Did the people resent his values? Did he find that it was not so safe after all? Did he fear that God might destroy that city too? In 31 through 36, you have to wonder why Lot didn't return to live with Abraham, or at least to get back on his feet. The opportunity did exist. Was he too proud after losing everything? But in Lot, we see this later on in life, this restlessness of fear. Fear to the small town and then fear to the mountains. It's interesting that Lot was able to take his daughters out of Sodom, but he was not able to take the philosophy of Sodom out of his daughters. Also, even though they seem to lose most of their belongings, they have a stock of wine on hand. That's kind of interesting. Lot had some influence upon them. They were still virgins, chapter 9, verse 18, or verse 8. But here again, we see the shortcomings of human wisdom and what I might call situation ethics. They basically realize that they need to have relations with their father because there are no men left on the earth and they don't want the lying to die out. Wait a minute, where's their faith? They didn't have to live in a cave forever. And I think it's pretty clear they did not live in a cave forever because the sons find women to marry. 
And so, wait a minute, if, if your child can eventually find someone to marry, well, why couldn't you find someone to marry? And so they don't stay in the cave forever. Not only that, what was preventing them from seeking help from their uncle Abraham? He doesn't live halfway around the world. He lives in the vicinity. And were really, were all the good men on earth dead? Hmm. Possibly through loneliness and self-pity, Lot will drink himself into a stupor and allowed the events at the end of this chapter to transpire. And here again, once again, we see the integrity of Scripture. No skeletons in the closet here. Everything is brought out into the open. No whitewashed history is this. Also, why had Lot failed to find husbands for his daughters from godly people? Certainly Abraham knew some godly people, right? How about back in Abraham's family? Did the girls want children? Did they actually want a godly husband? You know, we're most likely to sin when we're desperate. We don't trust, we don't trust God's timing. And we feel that, man, I got I to gotta take care of this myself. I got to look out for me. You know, there was a godly wife for Isaac. Abraham, yeah. G godly wives and godly women did exist. In 1937 and 38, the daughters show no shame or repentance for this act. Uh, the name Moab means from the father. Little did Lot know that the offspring from these unions, the Moabites and Ammonites, would prove to be deadly enemies for the descendants of Abraham. Wow, a man who had rescued him. One act of sin can change world history. Hey, don't let anyone tell you. Well, I'm just hurting myself. You know, what if you just, when you sin, do you realize when you sin that you've opened a Pandora's box, a door that you can't close? What have you just brought into the world? Little did these women know what they just brought into the world would be perpetual enemies of godly, righteous people. Okay, but here, let's come back to Lot's wife. What if she had lived? What if she had not looked back? This is just speculation, which I don't like doing. But I find it hard to believe that what we just read would have ever happened if Mrs. Lot was still alive. Her simple decision to look back, when clearly warned not to, opened up the door for temptation for her husband and daughters. Do I downplay the importance of my choices? After all, it's not as if my choices will change anything in the future, or do they? Her choice did. You know, maybe it didn't seem like a big deal at the time, yet it alters human history big time. The future, where you are needed, what you need to focus upon, is not back there. Mrs. Lott, your husband's going to need you in the days, weeks, months, and years that come. A moment of crisis is coming that maybe you would have said, well, there's no way my girls would ever do that. Are you in the moment or are you somewhere else? And so as we take a look at this, you might say, you know, the chapter doesn't really end on an encouraging point, but the point of every chapter doesn't have to be smile, have a good day, you know. Um, sometimes biblical chapters are written to 
grab us by the ankles and turn us upside down and give us a good shake and get all the crud off us. This is Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. You're needed in the future. The faithful you is needed in the future. We'll see you in the funny papers.